0: Grace, mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This is what I mean, brothers, the appointed time has grown very short. For the present form of this world is passing away. I say these things not for your own I say these things for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Those those bookends for the middle portions of Paul's direction are the main idea. And it's important to keep the main thing the main thing as we walk through the specifics of what Paul describes so that we make sure that we're not laying burdens on one another inadvertently. Paul's point is that this world is temporary. This world is passing away. This world is not our home. We are sojourners and strangers in this world and the permanent thing is the new heavens and new earth that our Lord Jesus has promised us from the moment of his resurrection as a guarantee and a concrete expression of that. But also, even as he begins his preaching in Mark's Gospel here, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so Paul's concern is, well, to secure our undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, this was Jesus' concern too. There were any number of times when somebody would come to Jesus and describe some reason whereby they weren't able to give him uh, their full devotion at the moment. But in a little while, they could. So, for example, man comes to Jesus and says, I'm ready to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, Foxes have holes and birds in the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Is that what you're ready to sign up for? Another man comes to Jesus and says, I'm ready to follow you wherever you go. And he says, but first I need to bury my father. And Jesus' response to him is, Let the dead bury their own dead. That seems a pretty harsh thing to say to somebody who's getting ready to bury their father. Well, probably the, the part of the problem was he may not have the father may not have even been dead yet. He just had to wait for the inheritance to come in before he could retire and then follow Jesus. That's not how this works, is Jesus' response to that kind of approach. If we're we're looking to negotiate with God about our discipleship, okay, so, uh, Lord, you can have the right side of me, but I'd like to keep the left half. Or you can have everything about me uh, except for everything below the waist. There's all kinds of ways that we try to negotiate with God. You can have nine-tenths of my mind, but this other little corner over here, that's for me. That's my little playground. Any number of ways that we try to put boundaries or borders on the extent to which we are ready to follow Jesus. We can look through his words, his Sermon on the Mount, for example, and say, that one looks good, that one looks tough. This one, yeah, I'm good with that one. This one over here, I'm sure that one's going to take me a lot of time to integrate into my life. The Lord, I'm sure, is going to be patient with me on that one. You know, when we come into our conversation with the Lord Jesus, and we come into the idea of following him, we can't begin... With a divided mind already from the get go. Now, the reality is our minds are divided. But giving into that division is the problem, see? Our old Adam loves to raise objections to what Jesus must have meant. He must not have meant it quite that. That's pretty extreme stuff. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He can't really have meant that, could he? Well, maybe he sure did. <laughs> if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, he can't really have meant that, can he? Well, Jesus takes sin very seriously. In fact, part of the lesson there is once you start hacking away at all the bits that cause us to sin, you really find out what, what actually isn't sinful, do you? You find out, well, it pretty well all deserves to go to hell, doesn't it? Me Poor miserable sinner, though I am. What is Jesus going to do with a wretched soul like me? Praise be to God, Paul will say, that God rescues me in Jesus Christ. Well, so what should be the impact of that rescue? What should be the significance of that? And the, the concern that in moving forward in following Christ, that there is always a temptation to have a divided mind. To keep something in reserve, just for me. And so as Paul looks at the circumstances in Corinth, he finds a few examples. A person who is, on the one hand, devoted to the Lord, but also devoted to family members in such a way that the two are getting mixed up. And the two are making it so that the devotion for the Lord is getting submerged into devotion to various family members. Now there are plenty of examples of this too, and I, on the one hand, hesitate to get too specific, because again, as Paul says, I don't want to put extra burdens on you. I say this for your benefit. I want to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. on some things now (laughs) because these are real-life examples and I don't expect that these are easy to negotiate or to navigate but they are examples for example every family wants their kids to go to college every family wants their kids to make a life better for themselves than they had themselves and obviously we all appreciate that education is a big part of that and without that It's difficult to make your way in the world. And yet, we have structured that in such a way, for good or for ill, that it costs a lot of money to do that. It just does. It costs a lot of money, and it seems like a person can take on a lifetime of debt for the sake of making that their reality. And so what do we do? There's all kinds of ways of trying to navigate that. One of those ways is certainly scholarships. Scholarships come in all kinds of different packages. And a lot of them are related not to whether or not you went to church on Sunday. You know, I have almost never... Now, there are a few exceptions within the church, if you want to be a church worker, per se. But if you just want to be a Christian, living in the world, doing a job... There are very few, in fact, if you ever come across one, I'd love to hear about it, a scholarship for somebody who went to church every Sunday. There's more opportunities for scholarships for college for people who didn't go to church on Sunday and did all kinds of other things. These opportunities are set before us by the world, and we're stuck with a bit of a choice. I'll tell you from my own example, my own experience. I, I probably 14 well no younger maybe nine or ten and there was a really competitive baseball team that was recruiting in the park leagues and it involved a lot of extra work and there were going to be some some benefits that way and maybe some scholarship programs with the folks who were promoting it and so I went to try out my mom took me to the tryouts it was over there in the Pacific Palisades there in, in uh, in uh, southern california and i tried out and i did okay i wasn't the best person on the field i never was but probably enough to make the team in fact they called me over and they said well let's let's see which one you can be part of and they gave us the schedule for the practices and they gave us the schedule for the for the uh, performances for the games and a bunch of it was on sunday morning sunday morning 10 o'clock you have to be at the park ready to play ball church was at 1030. And I saw the schedule, and I looked at my mom, and my mom looked at the schedule, and my mom looked at me, and I told my mom, this isn't going to work, is it? (laughs) And she said, no, John, it's not going to work. And so we went home, and I didn't get a baseball scholarship, and I went into church work, (laughs) because that's where the scholarships were. (laughs) <laughs> no no I'm kidding about that but these challenges are right in front of us and they are they are not simple they are not easy there are all kinds of ways that the the impact on this hour is is pressured and pressed upon this moment where, where we, as the people of God, gather in the presence of God to receive his gifts. And that's just one example from my own experience. And, and I know from, from those of you who are raising kids now and, and looking towards their future, what kinds of avenues are there for making a life forward? But there's plenty of other examples. Do you... Do you try to choose life with family or do you try to choose life with the Lord? And these questions come up over and over and over again. For me, it's a, a particular issue when it comes to working in the church, right? There has to be some, some designation of what's a, what's a first commandment thing, and what's a, a work thing, right? I can't just tell Heidi I'm going to church to do a bunch of work to try to get away from something that she wants me to do at home. I can't just say, well, I'm not going to take out the trash today. I've got, I've got a sermon to run." Well, that's not the way that works, right? You can't play one set of commandments, responsibilities, oaths, and vows. You can't play one set of them off of the other. I have baptismal vows, where I am a Christian, and I have ordination vows that are my work. And I I took my marriage vows before I took my ordination vows. She's going to be my wife long Mm -hmm. after I'm retired. So guess who wins out, hopefully, in that scenario most of the time? Guess what? Most of the time, she doesn't. And that's my problem not hers. And it's my problem that I need to come to the Lord about. Because those things are real. Those things are true and real. And that's just from my own personal experience. Now, you folks have it the same way. You folks have it the same way. There's all kinds of reasons that withdraw you away from devotion to the Lord, single-minded devotion to the Lord. And there are all kinds of ways where we find ourselves moving in the world and fighting to not take on the world's perspectives. And that's what Paul is on about here. Let those who have wives live as though they had none, those who mourn as though they were not mourning, those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, those who buy as though they had no goods, those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. Never let those things define you in a way that is contrary to or sub or or over overcompensates or submerges your baptism into some other set of priorities, not some other set of callings. Paul wants to be clear with them in the same way that Jesus was clear. You don't put your hands to the plow and then look backwards. Now there's all kinds of ways that one could read these words and try to put them into practice in a way that was actually contrary to the Lord's will. So, for example, I've heard the story about one person who told me that they married very, very young, and their husband basically never talked to him. Never talked to him, never really did it, was basically away all the time because they were taking very seriously the idea that even being married, the whole point of that was to basically not be married. And that that was how this kind of a passage was being put into practice. Well, obviously that's not right either, is it? But to have the, the will of the Lord so fully integrated so that the first commandment and the devotion to Christ is actually informing and guiding and keeping all of the other commitments in their proper perspective so that each one is contributing to life in Christ. How easy is that? Well, it's not easy at all. It takes hard work and it takes a lot of scripture going in and it takes a lot of coming together in times like this where we have a moment to think, and it's not a bad time to do that. I guess I guess all of this kind of goes along too with the whole idea of of turning over new years and turning over new leaves and giving some thought to the perspectives of how are we spending time, how are we not spending time, and how ought we be spending time. Where are our resources going, and what is my life made up of to begin with, and how ought that to look? What would what would it look like to be John Purling, member of the kingdom of God, baptized child of God, married to Heidi, committed in ministry to the Faith Evangelical Lutheran Church? In those realms, things are good. And when things stray out of those realms, things are bad. When I grasp onto things, and let them define me that are not of God and not given of God and are essentially distractions from what Christ has called me to, then that is the time to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. The other part of this is the urgency of it all. The urgency with which Paul talks is all based on the fact that the Lord Lord is coming. The Lord Is coming to us and we dare not miss him on this daily and weekly basis in the word and in his word and sacraments here in the in this public forum as well but to let the the flowing of the word of christ in his psalms and in his promises and in his gifts in the gospels and in paul's own words here and such throughout the epistles and more that all of these would continue to guide and inform my own sense of direction and repentance, what to leave aside and what to take on. And that when there is a need for wisdom, that we can come together as people who have lived through many different things in this world and discuss that together. That part of our time of fellowship in Bible studies or in small groups together or even when we're doing something recreational together but having a chance to, what, to just talk about the things of God together. That we can gain some wisdom and some perspective about how our lives are really going. What's good? What's bad? What's keeping me from fulfilling the will of the Lord in my life as I understand it because of the various things he's called me to. To look seriously at the various venues for service that God has provided to me and say how can I, how can I embrace those in the name of Christ? right? Not just as a, a job to do or a job that's going to f- define me, but as a way to glorify Christ and not pit one against the other but to always be a matter of saying how is the lord governing all of these things together oh there's so many different directions we're pulled see that's part of the problem if the lord has his hand on the tiller the whole way through then we navigate all of those waters in the peace and the calm of the one who is king and who is our pilot all of these things. There are needs that we have and there are wants that we have and there are ways that those are satisfied in all of the different venues of life that we move through. But God's first and foremost issue is that this world, on the one hand, is passing away and that he is bringing in the new creation. And it begins again, not only with the resurrection of Jesus, but with the baptism that each one of us Has been privileged to undergo for the sake of the new creation with us now so trust the spirit but don't quench the spirit even in your own prayer life and conversation trust the spirit to continue to make manifest to you all of the things that are pleasing and beneficial to you to your family to the people that you work with in the various places in the world in which you move So that you can be, what does Jesus say, a light on the hill, a city ready to be celebrated by the world around you. So that God's will in your life can be a testimony and a testifying witness to the people who see that life being so with the word of the Lord on heart and mind and even in our lips and ready to be shared and always to guide and provide wisdom and a call to repentance where there is need to do so. We ask the Lord never to leave us and never forsake us and to never leave us to our own devices, but to always provide us everything we need to support this body and life and a authentic demonstration of his life in the world. We pray that he would lift off of us any anxieties about our service and that he would put us in the calm of the peace that passes all understanding so that it might keep our hearts and our minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. The peace of God be with you always. Amen.